Colossians 4 and verse 2 is where we turn this morning. Colossians 4 and verse 2. A simple text and yet a profound text and one that encourages us to enter into the, the holy place of the Lord, to pray to him, to ask him to work on our behalf and the behalf of those close to us or even worldwide international kinds of prayers. Uh, as it has been said, I forget who even said it. If God were to answer all the prayers that have been on your heart and mind in the last week or so, how much difference would you see in the world? If God were to answer all the prayers that have been on your heart and mind last week, how, how much difference would you see in the world? How big are our prayers? How, how, how much do we trust the Lord to accomplish the things that he has promised he would do of changing, of saving, of sanctifying, of redeeming, of rescuing, of, of all these things, of working in our lives? Are we faithless in our prayers? Are we constant in our prayers? Well, this text in Colossians 4 and verse 2 teaches us that we should pray. In fact, let me read this beginning at verse uh, 2. It says here, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up for us or to us a door for the word so that we may speak the mystery of Christ, for which I also have been bound, that I may make it manifest in the way I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, redeeming the time. Let your words be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should answer each person. This is following after Paul's words to the household issues, uh, marriage issues, parenting issues, employment issues, even in the, in couching in the terms of slavery and mastery and so forth. But here he changes uh, focus a little bit. He's, he's really ending his letter. This is verse 2. I should say, devote yourselves to pray. It's mislabeled here. And we are encouraged to pray and join Paul in prayer. And he even asks, as you pray, pray for us. And we'll get into that idea in a little bit. But the, the, the focus of his word here is almost like what, what the scripture says elsewhere. You have not because you ask not. James 5 or James 4 uh, teaches us that. You don't have because you're not asking. You're not praying to God. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Devote yourselves to prayer. He says, first of all, that we should be devoting ourselves to it, to being steady in that, being constant in that, that we should recognize that God works in a mysterious way as we uh, draw near to him, as we trust him, as we find him uh, or, or recognize that he is the great mover, the great um, um, creator, sustainer of life. He is the source of everything. And so if we were to recognize that in our daily lives, we would ask him, we'd go directly to him instead of writing letters to the editor, not to say that writing letters to the editor is wrong, but maybe that's the, the next thing that we should do after we pray. Uh, somebody has said it, that there are many things you can do after you pray, that there's really nothing you should do before you pray. Go to prayer, go to the Lord, devote yourselves to prayer. He says that we should find our our, our, our state or condition should be one that is, is ready to go into prayer at any moment. You, you hear a thanksgiving. Well, go to prayer. Thank God. You hear something you need to pray about. Ask God concerning this issue. You hear that this accident happened or this health is issue or this person lost their job or whatever the thing is. Our first inclination ought to be to go to prayer about these things, devoting ourselves to it. This is not a condition or a, 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 a circumstance of weakness necessarily. Well, in a sense, it is in, the, in that we recognize we are dependent ultimately and 
profoundly upon God. There's nothing that we have or could ever expect to have apart from God. We don't want anything the world offers. That's, that's cursed. It's, it's, no, it's, it's not what we want to seek after. We want what flows down from God, the Father of lights. He gives good things from us, to us, rather. And so we find that we continue in faith or steadfastness in prayer and a dependence upon God. When we recognize the, our own weakness drawing near to God, we recognize that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. We recognize, okay, it may, may look like, like to other people, those who are not in Christ, that, oh, you're praying to that God, or you can't even see what kind of sense does that make. Get out there and do something. No, we, we'll do something in a little bit, but first we need to pray. We are humbling ourselves before the great God, the great king of the universe. We trust him. We want him to act and do, and then we will act and do as a result of these things. He says that we should continually do this thing. It's not something that we, uh, well, First Thessalonians 5, 17, very short verse says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. So that may, have you, have you ceased praying yet? I mean, good grief, what are y'all people doing? The idea there is that we should pray with a continuous or maybe not continuous because, by the way, difference between continuous and continual, it kind of goes back to the end, that last word, the L versus the S. And let Continuous has the the continual. I continual. That's kind of con, anyway. A continuous, un, unbroken uh, strain where you do it all the time, kind of like breathing. You always need to breathe unless you told your breath and whatever. But continuous is all the time. Continual is frequent or often or repeated ideas, and that's more the idea of pray without ceasing. Pray fervently. Pray with a regular commitment to it. Pray with a, a repeated emphasis, a, a, a constant um, desire and burden to pray. Not something that we only do on Sundays and, and Wednesday nights or uh, before meals or, or something, but constantly drawing near. Can you imagine having a, a, the invitation, and not just the invitation, but the command to talk to the king of the universe and only do it once or twice a week? It is our avail. We can do it any time of the day or night. We can do it when we're, when we're alone, when we're with people, any kind of situation, any setting, about anything. Talk to God. Is that a hard thing? Talking to God. Prayer is just talking to God. So we are devoting ourselves to these things. We are devoting ourselves. We are standing ready. This, this verb translated here, devote yourselves, is also used uh, to describe a little bit different sense there, but to describe when Jesus asked for a boat. This is Mark uh, 3 and verse 9. When Jesus asked for a boat to stand ready for him because of the crowd so that they would not crowd him, they, he wanted some place that he could get into because the crowd was pressing around him on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Get that boat ready for me. Same idea here. Get ready to pray. To pray. Are, you, are you in a stance that is ready to kneel down before God at any moment, whether it's for adoration or confession, going through the ACTS, the Acts model of prayer, adoration, confession, uh, thanksgiving, and supplication. It's one pattern of prayer that you could follow. But are we ready? Are we always in a, a, a state of preparedness to go to prayer? doesn't mean we always have our prayer sheet with us. Do you know some of the best prayers are off the cuff? Like that, I think probably the, the favorite, my favorite prayer in the, in the whole of uh, Scripture, I know there are many of them in there, is that short little prayer, from Peter when he was sinking in the water, Lord, save me. I mean, you can't get much more basic than that because we recognize I've got nothing. I am empty. Lord, I come to you. Save me. Deliver me. Rescue me. And that same prayer can be used 
By the way, do you know the difference between petition and supplication? I remind myself what the difference is. Petition is something that we ask for ourselves. Supplication is something we ask for other people. Of course, maybe I have that backwards. I don't know. There, the point is we ask God for something, whether it's for ourselves or for other people. We can ask God, Lord, I thank you that I'm saved. Would you save this person? Would you deliver them from their sin? Let them come to a recognition of the truth and turn away from the errors of, of sin and, and Satan and the deception that is in the world. Being devoted to prayer means we are ready to pray. It means that we are, uh, we are persevering even in our prayers, that we would recognize that, okay, God hasn't answered this prayer yet. So that means we give up. We've prayed this for a week, a month, a year, a decade. Since I was a young child, I prayed this prayer. It hasn't happened yet. You're going to persevere in it? Jesus uh, told a parable, I think it's in Luke 18, where he said he, he told this parable, and in the introduction there is so that he would teach people to pray and not to give up, to pray persistently, to be willing to wait upon God. Uh, and of course, that's the old statement of, you know, God answers in three ways, yes, no, or wait. And usually that, that third thing is, well, usually all of them are kind of hard to, to get out of God sometimes, not that that we are forcing his hand. We, we recognize, God, this is my request. I have open hands for God, for you, a good, gracious, all-knowing, all-powerful, loving, kind God for you to put and take as you see fit, having open hands, not clinging, not clenching onto certain things or demanding from God, uh, contrary to his will and contrary to his word. We pray in line with him. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name, not you know, I want to, to do this that is contrary to what would glorify Christ or contrary to the word of Christ, but something that is right in line with what Jesus prays for us. To have this devotion to prayer. You know, that's what the early church did. The first church back in Acts 2, they were continually devoting themselves. Same idea here, uh, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Uh, Acts 2 and verse 42 happened earlier in the church before Pentecost even, Acts 1, they were all gathered together, 120 of them gathered together, and they were continually devoting themselves to prayer. These were the apostles and the others, even Jesus' uh, mother Mary and his brothers were there praying with them. Prayer is a constant thing from the beginning of the church to the end. You notice how many times throughout the Gospels we see prayer, and it's not even everybody else praying, it's Jesus praying. Spent all night in prayer. You think, was he talking to himself? What, what is he doing there? He's talking to his heavenly father. He is pleading with God. He's, he's asking for strength, asking for patience. You, you know how many times he would say, how must I put up with you? How long am I to be with you? You people, you men of little faith. God help me to endure, to persevere with these disciples whom you have given me, whom I chose out of this world, and yet Man, they need help. They need the Spirit. They, I need to go to God the Father so that the Spirit can come down. You read uh, the upper room uh, discourse there in John 14 through 17, 13 through 17 even. And uh, you recognize the importance of the Spirit indwelling us and as a gift from God. We pray to God being in a state of readiness, a state of perseverance, a state of um, faith, trusting God, we recognize that prayer is a rather simple practice of talking to God, praying to him. And you think, do I pray out loud? Yeah, you can pray out loud. Do I pray silently, privately, quietly in the, in the how do preachers usually say it, in the silence of your own mind or whatever that, whatever it is. Uh, we can pray in all these different settings. You can pray outside, inside, standing, sitting, kneeling, lying on your face, um, whatever 
situation, condition of, of, of uh, your body, no problem. Any time of the day, morning, noon, and night, and at night I will pray. Uh, why don't we pray more is the idea. We are commanded here. We're invited to come right into Christ. He's made the way so that, that we, and think with me here about this. There are only two prayers, I think, that God hears of unrighteous people. Whereas all the you know, people who are in Christ, God hears all their prayers, but there are only two that God will hear and heed or act upon from unbelievers. And I would say that that is praise. God can receive praise from unbelievers. Why do I say that? Well, like in Acts, excuse me, Psalm 2, the, all these nations should give homage, kiss the son, lest he become angry, pay homage to him. And uh, we can see in uh, like Philippians 2 that all nations, all, all, every tongue will confess, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess what? Jesus Christ is Lord. It's not everybody, it's not just those who are saved, it's everybody in that end time will give honor to the Son, even those who are suffering for their own sins under the condemnation, just condemnation of God. Praise God. But there's another prayer that God hears of the unrighteous, and that is confession, repentance, turning to Christ, uh, humbling themselves, recognizing that they have a need of salvation. So God hears prayers of the unrighteous in that, that praising and uh, calling upon him for salvation. But you know what? We in Christ can pray all the time. We can ask God, Jesus says, Matthew 21, 22, all things you ask in prayer, believing you'll receive. Now, I'm not going to go into saying, well, we're going to pray for this. And the point is, what well, you have to read James 4, because sometimes you don't ask, you don't have because you don't ask, but sometimes you don't get because you want to spend it on your own selfish pleasures. So put these things in context. When we pray in Jesus' name, we're praying in accordance with his character, with his will, with the things that would be appropriate for us. But sometimes, again, we set our bar or our hopes so low. You know, God, just, just do this for me. It's kind of like that song uh, that we sing sometimes. I don't sing the, the original version, but the uh, the idea of, and it, we're in that season, of Passover almost. Uh, Dayenu, it would have been enough. It would have been enough if God had just brought us out of Egypt. This is how the song goes. It would have been enough uh, if God had just uh, uh, gave us victory over Pharaoh. But it would have been enough if he'd just given the Torah, given us, given us the Sabbath day, given us, you know, it would have been enough for us. No, it's, that is not enough for us. We need the Messiah. We need Christ. We need Jesus to be our Savior. We need him to come. Not all these, these good provisions of God, but Christ himself we need. Don't satisfy for anything. Don't be satisfied with anything less than Christ in your prayers. But then beyond that, if you're in Christ, what are you praying for? Are you praying, you know, all the all these beauty contestants that say, what do you want in, in the world? I want world peace. You know, I don't know what they say nowadays because they don't watch that stuff. But the idea, how big are your goals? How big are your prayers? How big are, are you asking God to act in our lives? And not just your lives, in the lives of other people. Are you praying for so-and-so salvation? That they would come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would change even, I mean, we're commanded, by the way, to pray for kings and those who are in authority. Do you pray that God would save Kim Jong-il in, in North Korea? Or, I mean, I don't know what Vladimir Putin's uh, situation is. He claims to be a Christian. I don't know. Do you pray that God would mature him in his 
his profession anyway of faith, or uh, uh, Zelensky. Just thinking of what you know, common news. President of Ukraine. He's a Jewish man. Does he try, Does he follow the Torah? Does he read the Torah? Does he read the Scriptures? Does he see that it's pointing not to works and all this, but pointing to Jesus of Nazareth, Son of God, King of the Jews? Are you praying for these things? Are you praying that that God would? Uh, transform people's hearts. And, and part of the reason we have a statement kind of summarizing our intention here with Liberty Bible Church that we're committed to the ministry of the Word of God through authentic relationships. Why? So all would mature in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus to the glory of God. We want maturity in Christ. It's not enough for people oh, to come to faith and then live like the devil and go to heaven when they die. We want people to mature in Jesus Christ. We want that that reality, as Paul has prayed throughout the scripture, and we'll look at it here in a moment, we want to see Christ's life repeated, uh, rejuvenated, if you don't mind, in the life of each person who claims to be Christian. That it wouldn't be just something that we, we claim and then we walk on and do other things, but we are growing vibrant Christians. It's kind of like if you're a young person or have parents who are praying for your future spouse, it's not enough just to find a Christian person is that a thriving, growing Christian? Are they ones who don't just go with their grandma to church every Easter and Christmas Eve or something? But do, do they willingly do that? Do they willingly read the scripture? Do they draw near to God in prayer? Are they confessing? Are they humble before God? Are they submissive even to authority in a, in a good way? And we can talk about that. But are they ones who are concerned about their sinfulness and concerned about their their uh, uh, conformity to Christ's image and, and perfection. What kind of person are we looking for in terms of a, a spouse? And, and of course, that means we should be that kind of a person uh, uh, that somebody would be willing to marry and, and that would be a good relationship. The point is, how big are our prayers? How big are we trusting God to work in our lives? We should be devoting ourselves to prayer. We see many examples of prayer I mentioned one model, the ACTS, Acts, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication model. But you, you can read, and let's turn back just to, to remind ourselves, because maybe we don't do this often. Matthew chapter 6 teaches us what some refer to as the Lord's Prayer, and that's a fine title if you want to want to use that. Uh, others have referred to it as the Disciples' Prayer. Uh, so, okay, well, what is the Lord's Prayer? Well, John 17, I think, would be called the Lord's Prayer. You can look at that later. But uh, Matthew chapter 6 we read what is called, even in other other churches, the Our Father. Pray the Our Father. Well, Our Father is mentioned here in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is the pattern. Jesus said in verse 9, Matthew 6, verse 9, pray then in this way. It doesn't say pray these words necessarily. Pray after this model. And sometimes we can we can follow this model, this, this outline of, of prayer, and we can do the whole thing sometimes. We have adequate... Uh, uh, time to do it. Uh, maybe we focus just on the adoration. You know, our Father, I, I 
I'm thankful I can call to you my father, not just the God who judges me, but, uh, but the God who hears me, the God who has drawn me near, has adopted me as his child. Uh, you are in heaven. You're not on earth. You're, you're untouchable from uh, the threats and the, the difficulties of this life. You're over all these things. You are eternal in the heavens. Your word is eternal in the heavens. Hallowed or holy or sanctified or, or wonderful is your name. All that is not just the name, Yahweh or, or Lord or creator or sustainer, all the different names that we could read in scripture, but who he is, what does that name represent? His character, his perfections, his actions in history. Hallowed, holy is your name. By the way, the only adjective or character or attribute um, of God that is repeated so close three times is holy, holy, holy. Isaiah chapter 6. It's not love, love, love. We can read about in First John or... or um, Grace, 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 or uh, forgiving, forgiving. It is holy. God is holy. And that's what we're talking about here. Hallowed be your name. Everything about you is, is set apart. It is distinct. It is without imperfection. It is perfect. That's what we say there. We ask for God's kingdom to come. Your will be done. We want his rule and reign all over this world, all over the earth. People who are in rebellion against God. We want God's rule to be in their lives. We want his kingdom to come. And that means we want Christ to come. He's the king ruling on the throne of his father, David. And we want his will to be done. Not just in the other people first. God, in my life first, would, I want to choose your will. I want to meditate upon your will. I want to do your will. May your will be done in me. And then let me see how your will is being done in the world. He says, we want God's will to be done on earth as it already is in heaven. There's, there's no rebellion, no wickedness in heaven. All that has been cast out. And anybody who is in heaven, in God's presence, is fully compliant with God's will. Isn't that a wonderful reality? Uh, there are a lot of things we look forward to in eternity. One of those wonderful things is sinlessness. Everything is right in conformity with God. What is sin? It's lawlessness. So it's rebellion against God. Everything will be in line with God's will. It's a wonderful reality. We're asking for that to happen on earth. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he goes on in verse 11. He says, we are so dependent upon you. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need. We're not asking for tomorrow's bread. We're not asking for next week. We're, we make provision. We're, we're, you know, we have a pantry and all that kind of thing. But God, we recognize our dependence upon you. You are the one who gives us the seed for harvest, or, you know, to plant for the harvest. You're the ones who gives us the land even to plant it in. You're the one who gives us the sun, the rain, the, the seasons of life. God, give us what we need according to the day. And we recognize we don't deserve it. God, forgive us our debts, the ways that we owe you righteousness, the way that we owe you um, uh, punishment or, or the wages of sin is death. God, forgive us. Cancel those debts as we have forgiven others. You know, that's one of the only things, probably the only thing that Jesus comments upon of, the, of that prayer in verses 14 and 15 is this forgiving other people bit. We would say, God, forgive me for, for I've sinned and all that kind of stuff. But it says, as we have also forgiven our debtors. We've forgiven other people, so God, we need your forgiveness. Because we have been forgiven, we forgive other people. If we don't forgive other people, what does that show about our hearts? That we're angry, we're resentful. We recognize that, no, uh, I can't acknowledge, I can't accept 
the failures or the faults of other people. They owe me. We had a contract. We had, a, had an agreement. And they need to live up to that agreement. Matthew 18. If you have been forgiven much, you forgive much. So Jesus teaches us here that forgiveness is a key aspect of our prayer, uh, asking God, but then also in our practice with other people. He says in verse 13, do not lead us into temptation. Uh, lead us away from these things. Deliver us from the evil one. We, you know what we can stand. You know our limitations. You know that we're but but uh, flesh. We're, we're made of dust. We are prone to wander. Lord, we want to be right in line with your will. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us out of the, that situation. A solicitation to do evil. Doesn't mean, by the way, that we should ask God to keep us from trials necessarily. Trials are part and parcel of life. Everybody on this world, saved, unsaved, faces difficulties, disappointments, trials. All, all the more so for Christians. Those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be happily celebrated. No, will be persecuted opposed, resented, uh, condemned, scorned at, mocked at, uh, killed, beaten, all these things. And so we says, we pray, don't lead us in temptation that we would have a solicitation or invitation to go off into evil. Keep us, deliver us from the, from the evil one. Help us to endure under trial. Please help us to learn obedience as Christ himself learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Jesus is teaching us how to pray. If you want to follow any of those uh, patterns or aspects of his prayer, do so uh, as, as we go along, as uh, we, we have opportunity to pray and constantly to pray. Peter, excuse me, Paul in Colossians has so many times spoken, us, spoken of prayer and the prayer that he asked concerning the Colossian church, which is a sight unseen. He, he maybe had passed through Colossae as a, in his travels, but was not part of the founding and the, the growing of this church in Colossae. And so he, he mentions that in, in chapter 1. But he says in verse uh, 10, yeah, verse 9 rather, of Colossians 1 and verse 9, he says, we have not ceased to pray for you. And you think, what is, Paul has so many believers, and we're going to see a few of them in chapter 4, the different guys that he names and, and all the relationships that he has. He prays unceasingly for this church that he's never met in Colossae small little church dealing with issues and all these things. He says, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be what? Let me just show you. What, what is Paul praying for, for this church? And how do our prayers really look kind of weak and, and kind of really? That's what you're going to, that's, that's your message to the king of heaven, the one who's master of everything. You're, you're asking him for that? Let's ask for what he's saying here. And Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, that you may be filled with the full knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Wow. Not just a little bit. You know, I, God, I hope they, they learn their Bible story this week. Uh, that No, that they would know that Bible story, but then realize what is that teaching us about God? What is it teaching us about his good, holy, perfect will? That we would have not just a worldly wisdom. Uh, James talks about the worldly wisdom, wisdom that of the world is, is demonic and, and wicked, but the world wisdom that comes from God above is pure and peaceable and righteous. That he speaks about there. We want a spiritual wisdom and understanding based upon knowledge of God's will. I think I mentioned back when we were studying through that passage, so much of our maybe not the Christian life anyway, is, is spent about discerning God's will for my life. And, uh, and especially does, does God's, or is there, how much does God's sovereignty affect my 
human will or as people talk, call a free will or the free exercise or volition of the thing. And we need to recognize whatever free will we have needs to be under the will of God. We want to submit our will. You know, lest we think I'm special, you are special. I love you, appreciate you. But you realize Christ, who's the only begotten Son of God, humbled himself and submitted himself to God the Father's will in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but your will be done. He surrendered the independent exercise of his divine prerogative. This is Philippians 2. He put himself under the authority of God the Father, such that he only did God's will, God the Father's will, through the power of the Holy Spirit. All of his healings, all of his teaching was empowered by the Holy Spirit. We want that kind of activity in our lives. We want God's will to be accomplished in us, recognizing we bring our volition, our will, right under his. Verse 10 says, you may walk. It's not enough just to know God's will, even have the full knowledge of God's will, have this spiritual wisdom and understanding, but that you would walk which is to say, not how we, you know, you kind of have a, a sideways gait in your walk, or you kind of walk on your heels, or that, not that kind of walk, or how far you walk, or how fast you walk, but a, a conduct or a pattern of life, so that your life would be conducted or lived in a manner worthy of the Lord. Not just worthy of, you know, a resident of the great state of Kentucky, or, or uh, one who was born of this generation, X, Y, Z, and all the other letters, that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, to please Him in all respects, not just to please Him in your the way that you dress on a Sunday or the, the kind of words, but in every aspect of your life. Again, what is what are we doing? How are we praying for ourselves and for other people? Are we praying even in line with Paul's uh, example here to please the Lord in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and multiplying in the full knowledge of God. He says that we should live in such a way that that we see fruit in our lives. We see God's uh, faithfulness, God's power being conducted in our lives. That we should please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work. Uh, verse eleven, being strengthened with all power, being strengthened with all power, not just a, a, a weak or 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 little strength, but every strength that we have available to us in Christ according to his glorious might not you don't want the strength i have you want the strength that god provides his glorious might his ability to do stuff that's god for the attaining we're going to use all that strength by the way for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously giving thanks to the father we use all god's strength to endure to persevere through difficulties and trials recognizing that sometimes we fail because we don't have enough faith. We don't trust God. We, we're not acknowledging God is working even in the, in, the, in the good times and what we would call the bad times, but God is active in all these things. Can we call it bad if God calls it good? Think of Joseph uh, saying, you meant this for evil, but God meant this for good, for the preserving of many people alive. You brothers erred, you sinned against God, but God is working in these things. God is the great redeemer, the one who uh, restores and, and works amazing wonders in his, in his providence. He says, uh, giving thanks, verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. Let me just finish on that idea because that brings us right back into the text. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be faithful in these things. Be ready to pray. Be constant in prayer. Be uh, utilizing that great privilege we have. But he says here, being watchful in it, being watchful in it, staying awake in it is really that that rude idea. Being watchful, being awake reminds you in a very literal sense of keeping your, it's kind of weird to say, keeping your eyes open when you pray. If you are falling asleep, open your eyes. 
If you're driving, don't close your eyes, right? The point is, is, it's not enough just to say, I need to, to stay awake, uh, uh, to not sleep physically, even though that's what was going on in the garden. Remember the three disciples that were with Jesus? They, Jesus said, watch and pray, and immediately they fell asleep. And Jesus came three times and said, what are you doing sleeping over here? And he says, be vigilant, be watchful, stay awake, be, be watchful, as it says here in Colossians 4 and verse 2. Watch these things, watch in these ways. Be alert, so it means that we need to discipline our minds, we need to take control of ourselves. Hey, what are you doing here? Pray on purpose, pray with a, a, a plan, pray, pray with a... If you have a list, where's my list go? That we pray through something. We pray according to a model, an Acts, Acts model or other models of, of prayer. You keep alert in these things. Don't let your mind wander. You know, oh, I wonder what's going on outside. Oh, God, thank you for... And we pray. God is so patient. Can you imagine having a conversation like you have with God with somebody else? You'd be embarrassed because your mind wanders over here and over here and you get confused. And then, and, oh, yeah, we're talking, weren't we? We were having a conversation. You're talking to the king of the universe. Be alert. Stay uh, focused. Stay resolute. Keep watching in these, way, in these ways. Keep alert in it. He says, with thanksgiving. Now, I'm going to take it this way, and we could come with different different ideas, but I think we we are being alert in our prayers, and we, we are being alert to, and again, we can go a different direction with this, but I'm going to go this way. We are alert to see and be attentive to how God answers prayer. As we are praying, we're looking. How is God answering this prayer? What? And we, we can even consider circumstances around a request about this situation. Okay, how is God kind of maneuvering the pieces? How are we interpreting life, the events of life, recognizing that God is in control over all these things, and I'm in a position now, I am ready to thank him. And to realize, for example, my, my um, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, that have been, had to flee Ukraine because of the calamities, I mean, certainly there's disappointments and, 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 and stresses and all, all that goes along with that, but they also see how God is using them in their displaced, displaced situation to be part of God's provision for people, connecting this and, and helping people uh, get networked and, and providing for this and, and passing news along back and forth. They realize they're, they're being alert. They're praying fervently for the whole situation, but they're also thanking God, being alert in it with thanksgiving, being watchful in it with thanksgiving because we see God is working. It's, it's not like somehow God won't work if we don't pray. God always works. He always will do his good, his good will. But we want to be alert in that. We want to be alert as we pray so that we can be in a position to thank him, to be part of, of uh, you know, ultimately, thanksgiving is praise back to God, saying, God, you, you did this. Not the evil stuff. You, you use that evil of, of these, these uh, human intentions. You are a God of redemption. You're a God of rescue. You're a God of provision. You are glorifying yourself. Praise be to God. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving gives us a certain power in our prayer, not the power of ourselves, but the power, the, the devotion that feeds our prayer because we realize we're not just praying, as, at least with an email. If you send it to the wrong address, you get a response back, you know, couldn't email. Couldn't, you're sending to God and he always receives it. He always listens 
to those prayers. Now, we could talk about hindrances to prayer, like being in sin and unconfessed sin and, and a lack of faith or, or doubting or, or a lack of focus or, or just truly being physically exhausted. And you can't pray. What you can do is, is pray something and go to sleep, rest. God gives gracious sleep to those who ask him. There are many hindrances, many uh, uh, aspects that would cultivate our prayer life. But he says thanksgiving is one of the, the key things to be in a position not to continually ask God, but to thank God for what he's already done. He likes us to give thanks to him, to recognize, to ask, to, to draw near to him. He is that great heavenly father. We pray to him as Abba Father. We come right into the throne of grace before the throne of grace and he answers for his own sake. And so he just wants us to say thank you. Thank you, God. For, I see what you did there. Thank you. I see what you're doing in this situation. I see what you're doing over here. That enlivens, that helps me to be devoted to pray more because I see you active in these, these people's lives. We ought never give up in these regards. We ever to say, somehow that person is beyond God's hope. They, you know, they defied Christ all these years. And I don't think there's any chance. I'm going to move on to somebody who's, who's better. No, we pray. We entrust them to God. God, I pray and hope that they would come to, the, come to faith, but not just faith, abounding, you know, full knowledge of, of, of spiritual um, wisdom and all spiritual, how does it go, Barry? Colossians 1 verse 10 or 9. Uh, we want them to, to prosper in God's grace, not just to get along and be a nominal Christian, to grow. Where's life? It's in connection with Christ. It is, it's what we have with him. And so we pray that God would be active in redeeming people's lives and we thank God for it. I mean, what a, what a tremendous invitation we have to pray, to devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. We'll look at next time, what should we pray for, especially with, with Paul and, and how he even humbled himself. And, and this is Paul, the great apostle, and he says, pray for us. We need this and we need that. And we're not, we're not all that in the bag of chips, as some people would say. We need, I need, Paul says, I need Christ in my life so I can speak what I'm supposed to say at the right time. And and you guys be careful too. You let your speech be seasoned with grace or seasoned with salt so you know how to respond to each person. So much going on here, but pray, pray. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful that we can pray to you and you listen, you answer. Please help us to be alert with thanksgiving because you're so active. You're so uh, kind to work in our lives. We are grateful for the uh, truth of your word, how you are uh, changing our lives as we Study your word as we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, even as we're transformed in prayer, being alert, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. Please help us to see how you're active, how you are working. Uh, it seems like oh, the world, the flesh and the devil are just prevailing over everything. No, not at all. It's your will, your good purposes are prevailing. Your uh, your will, your the kind intention of your will is being accomplished on earth. We pray for that all the more so. Not so much that it would happen, but that we would see, that we would interpret events as if this is you. This is you working through rebellion and wickedness. You are the God who is in charge over all these things. Not guilty of, of wickedness, but one who uses it for your good and sovereign, kind, holy purposes. We thank you. Please help us to utilize this great privilege and command to pray. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.